talk. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of You Talk Too Much and I'm here with my guest for today, Sam Belisi, and I'll get him to introduce himself properly now. Sam Belisi is the name, a New Zealand born Samoan Nguyen, uh, brought up in central Auckland, now live in West Auckland and yeah I've worked in education, mainly tertiary education for quite a while since I left university and am just now recently, uh, just now a PhD candidate at the University of Auckland. So thank you, um, Neil, for the invite to jump on and yeah, talk too much. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Sam. I've known Sam for quite a while. Oh, we know the same people as as we were just discussing before we recorded uh pacific islanders tend to be connected in one way or another and especially in the polynesian capital of the world um here in auckland so i count that as a big blessing being raised born and raised in auckland because yeah i feel sorry for my family who are born and raised in dunedin um places like that and um palmy <laughs> jokes 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 every place has its pros and cons um so sam the topic for today is basically what you studied for your master's thesis which was how pacifica students balance their educational obligations and their uh service in the community and their family so can you just first of all um go into detail about what made you want to study that topic Cool. Uh, thanks for the question. Now, some of, I guess, the purpose or the rationale behind going into that particular topic, some of it was around my own life experiences and those um, of my friend circles. I know when we come to university, uh, which is generally in a Western point of view, it's, a, it's an individual pursuit. You're mm-hmm. coming there to put your name next. Or you're there having to turn up to class. You're there having to do the work, do the assignments, and it's your name that's attached uh, to the achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess a, a wider lens or wider look at that is that many, myself and many of my friends, we came to university and turned up. But it's like we did it on behalf of lots of people, like our parents and our younger siblings. So there was that sort of mix between um, it being an individual pursuit and you're the uh, individual person that has to turn up and do the work but almost like you were carrying uh, the hopes and dreams of lots of others which is um, not too dissimilar from many other migrant dreams um, or other pursuits that we might have um, outside of education Um, and then amongst that obviously um, and again going off some of my experiences um, and some of my friends was that it gets a little bit tricky, I guess, when you're carrying the hopes and dreams of others. And so, yes, you have to turn up to class. Yes, you have to do the readings, etc. Um, but we are heavily interconnected into lots of collective webs or networks, if we call it that. Be it um, our family responsibilities, church and community. And um, I, I purposely chose young people at university that I knew that were very active in spaces, uh, be it church, family, and uh, likewise, 
And I just wanted to unpack uh, with them, uh, maybe how they go around juggling that. Uh, my own personal experience was, experiences was that I sort of found it very tricky at times, just overloading my my workload, both in the study space and just in the general life space. Um, you come out alive, obviously, but it mm-hmm. gets a bit comes out very tricky. Um, I don't think I ever knew what the word burnout was a long time ago. Maybe my saving grace was that I was young and bright-eyed. Um, during uni and coming out of uni, and I uh, wanted to save the world, so to speak. So you just, yeah, you jump into anything and everything. Uh, getting a bit older, I wanted to look back and then just consider how young people now maybe go about trying to juggle that. Um, I guess for this, maybe the exploration or the purpose around it was to try and figure out in and amongst maybe these trouble spots, how do we talk about it so that we can maybe find find better balance uh, in living um, here in New Zealand, um, that being the context, but also understanding that um, being who we are in terms of our family responsibilities or our cultural responsibilities, um, those all are also a big part of who we are. So I guess trying to figure out how do we marry the two. Mm. Yeah, I definitely uh, come from, I think that's what a lot of people outside of the Pacifica community don't realize is, I I don't know if it's because of the achievement level of a lot of us in high schools and intermediates um, and things like that and places like that, is that our communities do value education, Mm. but maybe because of our the results that a lot of us get in the statistics um it's not evident yeah so uh you know um i think from from the perspective of a lot of outsiders they they think that a church is a lot to blame and i would always push back on that because my parents at least for my family were were okay with me um, staying back from youth stuff to study for a test or um, even things that just had to do with family my fam- my parents were okay uh, from me staying back from a funeral but it was my choice that I would still want to attend a youth rally or go to a funeral because it was I couldn't one I couldn't handle the guilt of not being there and two I, I do like I don't know if it's how we're brought up but I do enjoy social interaction I don't know if it's just a human thing but I do prefer to go and hang out with people than stay in my room with a book and study um, which would surprise a lot of people because everyone's always said that I'm quite academic um, but it's the FOMO as well the fear of missing out you know it's I don't know if it's a, a uniquely Pacifica thing um or it's just a human thing that because we have we have more connections we have more to juggle and therefore we the the struggles that we have um more compared to a typical balangi person in new zealand um yeah i think um not scientifically but i think just an observational point of view uh, those that participated in my masters and then just friends and wider spaces. I, I do think FOMO plays a big part in, um, I guess, missing out on stuff. Like so much happens when we're all together. 
I'm the good, bad, and ugly. Like stuff happens. Um, yeah, lots of beautiful stuff. Um, and yeah, like I, I think, in a very basic premise, uh, being at home uh, in your books or being away from the action um, is boring in comparison. <laughs> Yeah. Like you want to, and I and I think especially around uh, life milestones, uh, yeah. very happy occasions yeah. or very sad occasions, uh, those are filled with emotions. Mm. And although there will be times for us to, you know, maybe uh, undercover cry in the corner of your room, um, I think the way we're brought up, um, lots of life we are conditioned to do with people in a, a collective sense mm. so yeah when there are life st- life milestones um with lots of emotions attached to it like yeah you, you want to be interlinked with um some of your bestie cousins that you've always grown up with and mm. your siblings or you know your favorite auntie that maybe you haven't seen uh for five ten years and you get to see them for a couple of days or a couple of hours that maybe perhaps in and then it I guess in its wholeness, it plays a part to how um, we've, I don't know, fill our cup, we stay well um, and feeling good about ourselves or that stage of life um, that we're going through um, individually and collectively as a family as we approach whatever's happening. So, um, but yeah, it does, I guess, create an interesting crossroad with um, these other responsibilities that we have um be it education and i yeah the young people i spoke to and people that i know of yeah often our parents are always extremely supportive of education um and us i'm doing well academically and having goals um and pushing ahead um but uh, yeah i guess sometimes it gets a bit tricky when these life milestones some which are, of which are planned and some that are just happen in particular funerals that they're not planned they just happen just like that and they can go on for some time and uh for us as i guess people that are in touch with faith um our christian faith or otherwise and i guess in touch with well-being of how we are interconnected with people especially our loved ones um we can often consider those moments where we can link arms both physically and just through our emotions we consider those also quite important um but both can have maybe time pressures to them assignments or exams can have time pressures and then other these other things can have time pressures attached to it too and i guess the challenges you often can't be at two places at once mm, yeah i think like um i think i told you before that i did end up spending a year living in tonga and when I came back, I had an appreciation for how my parents think. So it helped improve our relationship. Uh, because I got to understand, you know, why church, it's church school and then family. And I said to mom, my mom, you know, the, the challenge that we have as New Zealand born kids is that we're born in a Western country. And so it's like, and I, to, I told you this before, just a simple thing of time management. Um, I, an example is at my school, we'd have a staff meeting and I'd be like, it's meant to start at um, eight o'clock. 
and then they'll be like on a Saturday because it's a Saturday I was at the boarding school and they're like oh it'll start when the principal shows up and I was like and then they were just they're like just calm down what else are you gonna do and I was like that's true um you know in Tonga you, you you just I just had the meeting for the whole day and I said to my mom like that's cool you can succeed in Tonga and not have great time management but if you come to a country like New Zealand you have multiple things to do in a day because your life isn't just work family it's sports activities it's extracurricular it's entertainment um and so you need to have good time management to succeed in a westernized country like New Zealand and that's why you know that I think if our communities grasp that idea maybe it will help us it's just particular skills that you need as a human being that yes it can work and you know and I learned in Tonga to like chill like I learned to enjoy patient, being patient Tonga taught me patience I did I always joke around that I have undiagnosed adult ADHD because I lose patience very quickly and I can't stay focused on something that long which is really like not something to brag about but Tonga taught me to sit and still and wait and be patient and be considerate of of my you know especially of my elders to learn that they lead and just because I'm born in New Zealand doesn't mean I have a right to say what how things should run and so I said like that's something that our youth maybe struggle with is this idea that how like the the way the things that we're taught from our culture aren't necessarily bad but we it's a struggle like we have to learn to yeah, I think it's in the same way that you, you've had to or well in the past you have to go and adapt in Tonga uh, to work and to survive and thrive mm. in Tonga um, I think the same applies here and I think we've had varying successes um, of that of adjusting um, and integrating um, to New Zealand ways mm. uh, um, and in successive waves, I think we've had uh, maybe some some wins on the board, um, and then maybe in different generations we've either lost space or we've picked up either old habits or new ha bad habits, so to speak, that further compound um, maybe our um, our way of navigating um, New Zealand spaces, and I, and I think education, health, other things are out there, and I, I guess one of the basic premises that came out of uh, the young people sharing was this idea of balance and i think um balance obviously looks it's quite subjective looks different to everyone yeah. um, but everyone was trying to talk that well if we carry on doing the same things that we've always done like on the go forget about time forget about money forget about my energy levels whatever mm. my well-being then um yeah i'm just gonna go round and round yeah. um and this is no fault to our parents um, or grandparents, but I do like there was some discussion around that. Like, yeah, our parents do the most. Of they don't rest. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, like, which is, yeah. Um, and perhaps not a bad thing, but more so a credit to them. Yeah. Um, but I guess then what people were trying to say is that, you know, like, um, maybe in our day and age, which is contextual just to 2022. The research was done in 2019 but i guess if we just talk to this sort of modern era or this newer times mm. 
is that um yeah maybe for whatever reason because it's just a different time is that um aside from our parents maybe didn't do that we have to figure out that yes we do need rest mm. we do need um balance um and it's yep yeah, maybe it's new maybe it's not learned because we didn't see our parents have a rest they didn't know how to like conserve their money or conserve their time or energy in terms of their responsibilities um to others in conjunction maybe with their responsibility to themselves to keep their cup at a decent level um was this idea going well if it's some new stuff then we just have to give stuff a go because if i consider that maybe if i follow my parents and i listen to my body or my mind yeah i actually do get quite tired i do my 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 resources and its fullest sense do get quite exhausted and it's only once it's got to nearly the orange light pops up in the car then i go oh okay i need to build myself back up yeah and many of the young people were like yeah i do remember times where i've just about really spent but i guess as a part of our community rhetoric is um harden up and carry on and and yeah like we don't often see our leaders or our, our older generation um maybe have that rest which is um yeah i guess full credit to them and so i guess moving forward it's just maybe this idea of like we're on a journey we're on a search to bring in new set, sets of knowledge or tools or skills um to interweave with, in conjunction with the rich stuff that our parents and our culture have already um, built in us or we've learnt along the way in these spaces. Um, and I feel yeah, all the young people that I spoke to were keen for this idea of balance. Mm. But when I asked to articulate what does balance look like, no one could really <laughs> talk about it because yeah. it's still this a fluffy idea that sits in the clouds, which is all right. Um, but I think to hear people talking about, yeah, there's some struggles by just going uh, 100 miles an hour nonstop and not having a break, like they consider that that has its challenges. Mm. Um, and so then how do we, yeah, how do we look for stuff or at least pause and try and find stuff to just help better inform our journey? And maybe it's not a overnight thing. Mm. it's a process of um learning and and yeah maybe making some mistakes along the way mm. of what works and what doesn't mm. yeah i have two things to uh, say in respect to what you've just discussed um the first thing is that balance will look different for our community compared to balangis yeah. uh, because you know obviously they're they're more into their nuclear families and then they probably are more individualistic i'm assuming um but I, yeah i remember one of my old flatmates who's not pacifica um he's sri lankan but he said to me uh you know i feel sorry for you because he would see how i was rushing around and i'd be like i don't feel sorry for myself i feel blessed like because his family he's you know he only immigrated with his mom and his sibling and his family in Hamilton so he had a church family but it was you know it's it's not like 
immediate family or extended family and he was just always seeing how I was like fitting in because I still have lots of friends I uh, you know that's what happens when you you live your own life for a long time and um but still very much into I was brought up very Tongan so my nuclear family my extended family um and busy with of course work full-time but he so he was like you you I felt sorry for you and I was like no I I feel very blessed um it's a it's a it's a it's a crazy busy life but it's full like and like what you discussed before when we were recording is it fills my cup like my time with my family my time with my friends fills my cup even work fills my cup because I'm being productive um, so yeah, I think the second idea I want to talk about is, um, I think that idea of time out of so-called me time is hard for us because our parents didn't do it. And maybe it might explain, you know, the fast food that we like to consume. If you're constantly busy, you don't have time to think about what a healthy meal is going to be like and cook. Um, I barely want to do that even though I do have my own time but um you know you don't have time to you can't exercise and I you know I totally believe in a, a balance if I was going to discuss balance what it is it's definitely making sure that you pay attention to your mind body spirit make mm. sure all three are balanced and uh, for me my me time is traveling and as a you know single Tongan woman and my mom is like, what are you doing? Because her idea of traveling and how we traveled growing up is you travel to visit family. Yeah. Um, being my siblings and I, it's not for pleasure. It's like, there's a funeral, there's a wedding. And in between you might, your, your family there might take you to the local theme park, but go to a place where there's no relatives just to see the architecture. Like my mom was like, oh my gosh, you're, you're scandalous. People are going to wonder what's your real reason. And I was like, I want to go because it's me time. Like I get to see the world and, and, and be fascinated by what you know, humanity has been able to build and achieve. I mean, a funny story is when my siblings and I went to our grandfather's um, birthday and his 90th birthday in Tonga and the main island. And then we decided to fly to one of the outer islands and we have no family there and so um it was hilarious because when we got there my mom was like what are you doing and that we've got no relatives and then we were kind of because um it's kind of like uh we like Gilmore girls like the culture there you know it's small town mm. and um and apparently we were like the local gossip because and they called us the fake tourists because they knew we were Tongans but we we were staying at the local hotel and just going seeing the tourist sites and so they were like these girls are not germans like what the hell and they got no relatives and they're so like and we're just we were coming here to have fun and it was just like really culturally weird and mm-hmm. i think that's what our new generation has to fight battle yeah. is this yeah. idea that actually we want to do stuff for ourselves and that's okay that's not weird and it actually in a way fills our cup you know um but for our community it's like those things you don't do for yourself it's i mean yeah so that we just thought that was really funny and i learned a lot just but you know i just think um 
once people what one person does it other people do it and it becomes the norm like yeah. nothing's nothing's really the norm until someone does it like <laughs> nothing's set in stone right um so you're doing your masters um like how did you go about collecting your data i know you mentioned that you chose potentially young people and yeah. <laughs> were there any obstacles in the way of you completing your master's thesis and how did you overcome them um timing was tricky and i think um as i uh, maybe it's ironic uh, but i had a year long to uh, do some of the early processes in terms of um, a proposal um, ethics form to allow you um, or have some covering um, to doing uh, primary research um, and that you've got some protocols or processes in place um, yeah as, I, as ironic as it was my year got halved pretty much um, as we do we and purely because I was living my life as normal as can be and mm -hmm. I ended up um, no one forced me but you sort of feel some heartstrings and I ended up taking a polyphase group at the beginning part of the year that, that took a good chunk of my time we had a few different uh, un not untimely but just <clears throat> sudden sorry sudden family passings and so I guess as a big summation was that a good chunk of my time disappeared because me along with others but this is in relation to my studies was that your hands are on the tools like you're you're out doing stuff that uh, promotes social cohesion um, doing stuff that you enjoy for your cup and then you're like oh actually like I've got some research I need to be doing um, which was then ironic because then that's the topic that I was wanting to unpack and here I am being the researcher and I'm compounded by similar challenges or issues as well of like yeah how do we balance this and how do we be places where we want to be um that fellow cup that um connect to our corporate responsibilities but also where you handle your own the things that you've signed up for like i knowingly signed up for mm. our masters no one put a gun to my head to say you know then but i guess it's i had to go through that journey to figure out that there's a time and place where i had to try and recalibrate or re uh, rebalance somehow mm. to sort of fit stuff in because when um full ball on one end um that leaves no room for the other which was the studies um mm. in terms of um uh, I guess gaining access to young people. I just use people in wider community settings. Some I knew personally, some I didn't. Some I knew of and some I never had met before, but I'd asked just some wide um, other people that I knew had uh, wide networks and just said, oh, I was looking to interview young people that are perhaps uh, grounded, grounded um, in their family and their culture um and are at university but also do a lot like yeah like that are they pop up in family stuff they pop up in community church stuff um because it's the people doing the most of this that perhaps i wanted to talk to mm. and i wanted to um try and get the um maybe a true account um i didn't want to 
similar to maybe how you're talking about the church coming through offline or not but um i didn't want to present a piece that was purely bashing service and stuff that we do um but i also wanted to try and delve into um experiences where yeah it gets a bit tricky like it is there are challenges and um so i wanted to yeah get young people that are on the tools that i know they've got their hands dirty and i guess my presumption was that yeah there'll be some challenges in there uh, they're still at uni which is a, is a load a workload in itself but then uh, just either knowing personally or i'd know from how i'd ask people to find young people but yeah get young people that are busy in addition to uni and it was cool really cool some of it was uh, reflective of my own journey and all my friends and some new stuff but just hearing them saying first and foremost all of them came out just going now like i i enjoy serving my family mm. like um there is value in me being positioned the way i am in my church spaces like it fills my cup and you know there's lots of awesome things that i've learned along the way i've learned this i've learned that <clears throat> um and because of <clears throat> i guess yeah my service this is how i see the world mm. uh, and this is important like yeah and then there's always that oh yeah but it gets a bit chaotic and mm. yes it you know it's, it's a bit challenging and lots of cool things maybe that uh some of it we already know um and some of it maybe it's just deep at the back of our heads but basically all oh, there's some interesting stuff around service and the levels and the expectations mm. um all the girls pretty much said there's like um unfair or uneven distribution or expectations attached to service all the boys backed that up and said oh yeah girls have to do a bit more or expected you know like to do things differently that's maybe a little bit more higher expectations than what we have to do mm. like, it's like oh yeah we all have to do stuff but then they all were like pointed out girls there's stuff pointed out around um leadership in regards to like the eldest child or sibling like just having this unspoken extra layer of mm. responsibility all these extra duties whether it was prescribed or not mm. um and yeah just lots of little nuances around serving of how it's like maybe not equal but people navigate that people talked about um if their parents um or if they came from lineage where maybe there was yeah like uh, leadership attributes already attached to that or if they were the the minister's son um, or stuff like that then there was extra layers of responsibilities on them and like which is it's not all equally and no. so you have to understand contextually like oh they're the oldest daughter or like oh they're the um yeah they're the minister's son and that's why they're doing a bit more why there's there's more eyes on them and so maybe more pressures um, on them to juggle more and stuff. Mm. Um, but I guess just to round off, one of the cool things that came from it was that lots of the young people talked about this richness of experiences and knowledge that was afforded to them mm. uh, because they were in spaces um, and talked about, you know, just being at funerals, being at different places, being there, hearing the stories of genealogy or other cultural like richness or just seeing stuff 
Um, and basically, they just go like, that's a byproduct of being there, mm. you know. And um, they they acknowledge that like they've got siblings or cousins or friends that they grew up with at church, but for different reasons, people no longer turn up to these things. You know, they live their best life. And then when they come back for like a bit of knowledge and they go, oh, like how, how does this happen? Or how are we related to them? Mm. And all the young people just like, oh, like, like you would know this stuff if you turned up. Yeah. Like if, if you were at these places, like, yeah. like it's somewhat like the knowledge is there for you to pick up as well. But I'll mm. share, I'll share it with you. But I only have this knowledge because I, I turn up, I'm on the tools, like I'm being there. Yeah. And if you want to, like I guess know some of this stuff then these are the blessings that come from being yeah. in these yeah. places yeah and so, and the blessings can be for you too yeah but the old adage is you just gotta turn up yeah I always have um people who are not Pacifica tell me you know oh I'm so jealous that you have a culture and you're so close to your family and I'm like you can too like everyone has a culture and but are you willing to pay the price because yeah. there's pros and cons you know yeah. to everything in life and yeah. so when people say that to me it's like being close to your family is not you know it's not um limited to certain ethnic groups like it just involves work like everything in life and i think what made what i was thinking when you were just uh, talking is um this idea that as an educator i really wish our pacifica kids would not turn off they're not the knowledge that they learn from their elders from their community mm. from their upbringing when they come into the classroom i really wish they would understand that they have a lot to offer the classroom and they're very empowered when they go into the workforce especially because yes our classrooms are still built on the industrialized model of education where you're individualistic you're sitting at a table on your desk you know your knowledge is tested at one moment in time where you're by yourself writing down but when you get into the workforce that's where i see a lot of us shine because we are socialized from very young i went to church since i was young i was in family meetings i see when i you know help out at camps it's very automatic how i go into the dining room I know how, I didn't realize that until I observed how my colleagues acted like they just were waiting for someone to tell them what to do. I went into my default mode, which is mm. I know how to serve a large group of people. I know what needs to be organized. And I just like, wow, like I wish our community knew like what we have to offer, but it's almost like we're, a f I see it in my students. They are very, they come in very scared into the classroom. They come in very timid. And I'm like, you guys have a lot to offer our discussions. But I think like what I was what was interesting about what we were discussing is, and I've and I've realized this through, you know, my staff meetings, is um, we're talking about agency, about um, especially with online learning and the whole idea that everything's going more online is like our our teaching has become more like this the information on the laptop you navigate it according to what you need and we were discussing about the the experiences you've had with a lot of our students going down to universities like otago away from home it's the first test of freedom and you know a lot of us i mean i crashed and burned a bit at university and i was down the road from home um 
but it's and we were discussing this idea of it's because how we're brought up is these spaces yeah youth group at, at family camp where we can be autonomous and take charge especially the females i believe because that's what we but um generally uh, you know it is um children are seen not heard and so my passion is to i don't know develop a program or some kind of um holistic approach to education where we do talk to parents with very young kids and be like you need to encourage uh discussion and debate and mm. in, in a culturally appropriate way because there still needs to be respect between parent and child but we need to get our kids thinking and being able to reason from young age because it's too late by the time they're 18 and they're out of the house mm. yeah and i and i and I guess no parent wants to hear that they've uh, uh, maybe not done their kids' favours by the way they've uh, the upbringing. But I guess what we have to consider as a community is that we want to be preparing our kids for today's world. Yeah. Um, the world that uh, is, is coming. Mm. And uh, no one has a, a real crystal ball to understand what the world's going to look like in 10 or 20 years time. Mm. But I guess what we have to consider as a community is that, uh, yes, there's richness in our cultures, but also we have to step outside of what we know and consider the world that's out there. We have to try and incubate or cultivate uh, skills or knowledge or tools, nonetheless, uh, to try and have our kids uh, prepped in some sort of way rather than just jumping off a cliff um of this incubated um i don't know home life church life that is totally foreign to the wider world mm. um, and it's not saying that we have to divorce ourselves from all of that mm. um but i i do think as as um, parents as, as as leaders in the community as we have to have um some courageous conversations around like yeah what do we hold on to and i'm not trying to say what do we get rid of as in forever but what do we also need to bring in to the conversation and yeah. part of the mixing tool to just add richness um and the hope that our kids can have little tasters of, of independence. things <laughs> yeah of independence of all these little things because that's the way the world is geared up mm. um especially here in new zealand or especially in places away from the islands and so mm. i get it scary because you know you you want to hold on to things that are dear to your heart or familiar um but yeah i think we can start to acknowledge from just lots of different experiences is that when we haven't had um i don't know some sort of experience with different things be it independence or how to manage your own money and stuff like that um some of your first experiences with those can be um a bit scarring <laughs> crash and burn <laughs> yeah you crash and burn and yeah you, you can't i guess fully prepare your kids for everything um, but i think it's a good opportunity especially for some of our families that have been in new zealand for a couple of decades now mm. to try and read the room which is i guess wider society and go okay what are some of the things that my kids may need out in the world and how do i at least socialize some of that um, because i guess coming back to the serving thing is that um our worldview around that for many of us is, is, is a is a byproduct of our conditioning yeah um, the way we approach that and when we have non-pacific people talk to us like oh my gosh why are you doing so much mm. and we talk about like oh it's just normal it's what we do 
Um, and yeah, it fills my cup and I get to see my cousins and there's a higher purpose of, you know, us pooling together resources. Mm. Um, but that's a byproduct of our conditioning because we're taught and we've seen the value and yeah, we've seen some of the challenges that come from it too, but then we buy into it. And so <clears throat> I guess into broadening those horizons is we need to bring in other things um, in terms of that socialization and conditioning um, because contextually, yeah, we, we we move in and about around mainly Western spaces in New Zealand. Yeah. And, and there'll be some things where Pacific tools can come and punch those down or be really of use mm. in those spaces. But also, like, we have to consider that there'll be maybe some tools from uh, Western knowledges or even further afield from our Asian colleagues, our Indian colleagues, like, you know, different cultures where we can learn from them because we're not the only... Um, maybe not migrants but like i guess non-western people that live in new zealand and um as of late in the last couple of years i've I've become quite close to quite a few middle eastern um families um some of the bulk of them have come um, as refugees and uh, many of them have similar attributes around collectiveness as well you know family first or you know doing stuff together mm-hmm. but then when i look at some of their experiences of maybe gaining a foothold in new zealand um there's some cool things that i've seen in their journey i just go wow like, and i'm not saying everything what i'm going to say now are the benchmarks of success mm-hmm. um or achievement but yeah like some of these guys have businesses or own their own homes now and i'm just like wow how did they do that like you know they've come to New Zealand and then trying to navigate how they do that what is it that we can learn from them because for some of our Pacific families we've been here much longer well in the case of my family we've been here much longer than many of my Middle Eastern friends and I look at them and I just go cool like they've retained some of their stuff of culture or their religion um, but also trying to figure out how do they make the most of their time here in New Zealand yeah I think for me it's my passion is to see to help our community know that we don't have to choose one or the other you know i see um i see a lot of people running away from our community and our culture because they think they're tired of the stress and they just think you know they just want to be fully like a westerner and i'm like you can be both like it's a blessing to have both worlds it's harder yes but I, you know, I, I definitely believe that in a creator and I don't think it's a mistake of who you are. So, yeah. Yeah, I think lots of the rhetoric that came out in the 80s, 90s and still exists now, but perhaps not as strong as it used to be. Yeah. Um, but coming out of that first generation of New Zealand born uh, was that crisis and was this idea of, oh, we're stuck between two worlds. Mm. We're getting pulled apart by two worlds. Well, coming back to your comment, 100% like agree. Like I think that still exists because we live in New Zealand and we're culturally, ethnically different. So there's going to be spaces where we're uh, being fed different sorts of worldviews. But rather than seeing it as a, um, a cause of tension um, and see it, uh, I guess, as a glass, a glass half empty, I guess if we consider that the same scenario exists, but we shift the way we look at it, is yeah like there's an opportunity there for us to take the best from both worlds and it's all contextual situational compared uh based on how you you and your family see things 
but rather than I guess yeah uh, sitting in the middle and just pulling your hair out it's just go like wow this is a, a privileged position to mm. sit here and go wow I can turn this way and see some mm. cool things see some ugly things maybe that maybe doesn't fully suit me and my family mm. look to the other side and okay what's on the shelf there that maybe might replace or I might take parts of both of those things and mix it to together mm. um, and I think once we shift our worldview around that or our mindset then it leads into a better better movement of navigating forward rather than uh, yeah just being so torn by being between these two worlds mm, yeah and I think some of our young people may be starting to be more equipped with that of just like wow there's the beat like cool I'm Samoan or I'm um, Cook Island, um, yeah, and I live in New Zealand, and wow, that, that is what it is, and how do I make the most of it? Yeah, I make the most of it. I think that's definitely what I learned um, living in Tonga and coming back. It's just like, you know, the kids there in Tonga, they they appreciate so much, and I wish we would. It definitely helped me appreciate um, coming back home and having hot water man um yeah i oh, thank sam so much i really enjoyed that convo i'm i'm praying for your phd that you, you do it for all of us <laughs> not just for yourself as we explained <laughs> do nothing just for yourself um yeah i'm really happy that you're in the spaces that you are in i think i i know my our listeners uh can hear that you have so much to offer uh, your your family, your community, and our country and the world. So I'm really happy that that you're 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 in a space where you can educate others about our reality. Um, to my listeners, I hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. And uh, join me on my next episode of You Talk Too Much. Talk. Talk.